Hello, superstars. Welcome to the Up Your Creative Genius podcast, where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Patty Dobervolsky, and if this is your first time tuning in, then strap in because this is serious rocket fuel. Each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Up Your Creative Genius, the podcast. Guess what? We're doing this live today. It's so incredible to be with you. I want to tell you first about her before she starts talking, but hello. Hello, Patty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So this is Leanne Taylor-Knight. She's the executive director and COO of the DeBruce Foundation in Kansas City. Now, what the DeBruce Foundation is doing some amazing things. Oh, thanks, Patty. They are expanding economic pathways for people in this city and beyond, right, in the whole state. And I want to just say that before she started to do this, which is all about research and p helping people discover their agilities and providing them with tools so they can get jobs in the city, right, and elsewhere, she was the assistant superintendent of schools in K through 12. I love that here. And you were an educator forever, weren't you? And you advised in all kinds of national education forums. And you sit on like a billion boards. I'm not going to list them here. But that's who you are. In Thank a nutshell. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. Oh, a teacher at heart. It is yes. so fun to be here. And it's so fun to have all of you with us. So thank you so much, Patty, for coming to Kansas City and us being actually able to film here. I know. It's fantastic. Now, so um, I know you as a kind, a generous, an amazing rock star that is changing your community. I mean, that's what you're dedicated to. And you're fortunate enough to have a career in a path where you actually are, that's enabled. And so that was a good job in manifesting that, I would just say, Thank because you. you're in the sweet spot of who you are, but it's not all of who you are. So tell the audience a little bit about Leanne Taylor Knight. Tell us, did you grow up here? And anything you want to tell about your past and bring us up to the present. Yeah, thanks. No, I was born and raised in a small town in mid-Missouri in Fayette and grew up to parents. Dad was a veterinarian and mom was busy doing every volunteer job there was. And I think that's probably one of the first places I learned how to pivot was I had a mother who was whatever was the flavor of the day. My mom was in the middle of it. She was leading it and she was doing it. And so I probably saw that along the way. I went to college and thought I was actually going to be designing buildings like the one in which we sit. So wow. have a degree in environmental design, picked up a degree in education along the way. And I started teaching kids and they just caught my heart. And so to this day, I'm still a teacher at heart. So even the work that I do now at the foundation is all about improving the quality of life for others in their near and far environments and actually developing them so that they have that capability of doing that themselves, right? And so I yes. kind of grew up on a farm. I grew up in a place where it was like, hey, you got to figure out how to make this work in this situation. And so that was instrumental in my teaching and my education leadership yeah career. And I did do a little stint with universities and did some research and those kinds of things, which helped bring me here to the Diverse Foundation. And she was a 
just want to say that she was like a major cheerleader here. So if you ever need a cheer squad, Leanne Taylor Knight is it right here. I'm just saying. She's been mine before well, when I've been down. But you're like the pep club leader. Like we were our two peas in a pod. We were made to go together. We didn't go to high school together, but we could have. We sure could Changed have. world That's then. right. Changed That's world right. now. So you started off going into this architecture field, the design field. Yes. How did you decide at that point when you had that and you had the education, what happened at that? And how did you reconcile that with yourself for what you'd invested already? Yeah. Well, I really kept thinking about like, well, you know, the job I really want to have is I want to be at this university and helping others get excited about what they are doing and then be a dean of students and a chancellor. And so I was kind of looking at that career ladder and realizing, well, in order to do that, you actually have to be a teacher in the classroom too. So I was like, okay, I'll go get my doctorate in environmental design. Truly was headed to Texas Tech. I was coming out of Mizzou and headed there to Texas Tech. And then there was this opportunity that came for me to go ahead and teach in Columbia Public Schools when I was getting there and getting this second degree in education. And I just took it up and I started working with students who had been at our alternative school. And these were kids who had been, basically nothing had worked for them. That's right. They were the kids who, no middle school, no junior high, no high school, nothing yes. had worked for them. And, you know, probably many people thought that those are those kids. I just don't want to have to deal with those. And I looked at those kids and I was like, these are amazing kids. They have phenomenal talents. It's just that nobody's ever tapped into them. And I was on a staff of like teachers and a principal who were like, it's our job to meet them where they are. Yeah. And so that has continued to just be a theme in my life is like, yeah. okay, folks, it's not about finding the best blueberries and bringing them into your pie. It's like meeting that blueberry wherever it is and, you know, putting the right ingredients in so that you can have the best pie, but it is literally about meeting every single person where they are. And I just have that in my heart, and I just have had so many opportunities to get to do that in my life. Wow, I love that because I think often in the Uber car coming here oh, yeah. today, she I talked to the guy. With the Uber I, well, <laughs> I was talking to the guy who was yeah. from Kenya, and he was asking me, I was talking about my father who had been a, you know, concrete guy, right? A civil engineer, because he was studying to be a civil engineer. And so we were talking about how do you get on a career track to become something? And then what do you do when there are expectations of you to be one thing or another. Did you have any of that in your family to deal with? That, you know, they had an expectation of what you would do or who you'd become? Yeah, well, I probably did grow up in a family that always said not are you going to college, but where are you going to college? So I did grow up in one of those families. However, you know, the mold broke after me, the first child going through because the second child took a different trajectory yes. and went through the military. Yeah. And the third child took seven years to get through college. So really, we all were like, well, we're not really doing what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> you yeah. know? Right. So there might have been some of that. But definitely, I certainly felt along the way that there was an expectation. I've always believed this. I mean, this is at the heart of my faith, which is to those who much is given, much is expected. Yep. And so I am grateful to God for the gifts and the people with who he has surrounded me with in my lifetime. And so the things, though, that goes with that is never miss an opportunity. So if yep. somebody said, well, I don't know, would you like to try this? 
And that's what happened to me along the way is somebody said, oh, we have this job in Kansas City. We would love to have you come and think about this job in Kansas City. Well, I'm not really thinking about going to Kansas City. I'm going to move to North Carolina. Well, no, uh, it's a great opportunity. And so had people along the way who've said, yeah. we'll never miss the opportunity to at least have the conversation. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I have pivoted I into that. different places is because I'm not afraid to go have the conversation if somebody says this could be a unique opportunity for you. And I would really encourage those of you who are listening and watching to yeah. like basically have your ears open. That's right. Like listen for those opportunities. Yeah. That's yeah. happened yeah. to yeah. you, That's Patty. the really, honestly, it's the mystery and the joy of life is that if you're like a detective out there following the clues, but you have to be aware of the clues that you're looking for, right? You have to understand what it is that you're capable of, which you did, right? You knew, okay, I've got this educational piece together. I've got these other things, and I'm going to go and do something and change the world. You had a good role model for that, too. But one of the things I wondered is, how did you get to the DeBruce Foundation? Like, how did you end up in that? Because I met yeah. you right after you started there. That's when we met. And oh. I had no idea. I thought you'd been there for years. That's how you were in the room. So how Thank did you, you pivot into that? Well, you know, this is one of those, again, I was running a research consortium covering a bi-state area. And somebody said to me, they're like, hey, have you seen that the DeBruce Foundation needs some researchers in education and economics? And I was like, oh, I have a whole group of researchers in education <laughs> right. and economics. But I was like, who is the DeBruce Foundation? So I'm like, who are they? Very, very small footprint. Couldn't really find anything. But I found a, a phone number and I was like, ring, ring, ring. Hello. And I get, you know. <laughs> Press number one if you want to speak with this person. Press number two if you want to speak with this person. Press number three if you want to speak with Mr. DeBruce. I was like, oh, Mr. DeBruce, his name's on the foundation. Three, done. And the next thing I knew, wow. I was speaking with him. And so that would be my, I always ask the question like, what's the worst thing that could happen? They don't answer the phone. They say That's they right. won't speak with you. They say they won't meet with you. You have an idea to present. Exactly. They say they don't like the idea. What is the worst case scenario? And they go, well, can I live through that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I can live through if nobody answers the phone or nobody picks it up. And so literally that's how I came to find out about what they were doing. And then it really was key to think about, okay, hey, what are they doing? Hey, there are some strengths and some talents and some experiences that I have that could be value add to that. Yeah, and then yeah. really it was about Mr. DeBruce and others seeing that, yeah. And you're a good fit. Yeah, part of it's being in the right place at the right time, but definitely. And well, wait, wait. Let's just roll back because you picked up the phone and you made the call and you pressed three. Yeah. And that, I think, you know, I think that we are often so afraid to really go out there on the limb and take that risk. But that's what makes the difference. That's the call. That's going to the audition or yes. going and calling the editor or getting on the phone with somebody who you think is going to take over your social media and getting a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. Anytime you want to change something, you've got to put yourself out there. And you're like such a great role model for that because you put yourself out there all the time. I mean, you're well put together, no doubt, but you do like walk a fine line of getting people to be real and talk about real things. Yeah. And you also have to 
celebrate the failures. One of the things we say around here is we're going to make mistakes, but we need to learn from them. And so kind of if you take that mantra with your life, and of course, what we have tried to do here at the foundation is we also want to help you understand what it is that you do well and what you like to do. I mean, that's where we started working with you, Patty, is around the agilities and your piece about drawing your future. And for us, the intersection of, well, if you know what you like to do and what you do well, we can draw a amazing futures together. And I think I would absolutely encourage any of you who have not yet, you have to go draw your future with Patty. You know, you have to get online and try that and do that and be willing to think about what are those steps that I'm going to take today to get to that future that I want to have. And then know that like that future vision out there, it's just going to continue to change. And as you change and grow, right? That's only, if the vision stays the same, Actually, I could kind of worry about that because that means that maybe you're kind of standing still in the same place. And that's not. Have you ever had that experience yourself? Felt like you were stuck? And that you were like, I got to get out of this, whatever this is. Daily. I mean, you know, <laughs> now, sometimes it is. It's like, like sometimes you're just like, I'm running into a brick wall with yeah, this yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there are those. And you have to like, oh, yeah. wait, you know, do the infinity sign. <laughs> make my left brain connect to my right brain. And get oh my myself God. into Another place. You've taught me a lot. Well, tell me, though, do you get into sticky conversations with people in your city and county and community around change? Their willingness to change or not change? I mean, really, we're in the center. We're in the heart of the country here. So I'm curious. You have this mission to expand economic pathways for everybody. But I don't know that everybody's on board with that. Well, because change is scary right, Patty? It's really scary. And it messes with power structures. Anytime you think about change, then you think about status quo and you think about certain things changing and some people losing power and other people gaining power. And, you know, that's where in the space of how much can you think about being in a life of abundance and not scarcity? And how can you kind of thwart back that scarcity mindset and think about, I mean, early on in college, sometimes someone said to me, you don't have to step on someone else to get ahead. Yep. And there's enough out there for everyone. And I can remember being in college, hearing another female leader talk about that. And I thought, you know what? She is exactly right. I don't have to step on somebody else to get there. And there's enough out there for everyone. So my job is, is to just help get that word out and well, also yeah. and that, an that example state of, of that. State of consciousness out yeah. because I don't think everybody sees it that way. I think people still are holding on to their little parcel and their things and yeah. their old ways of thinking. And I see like this huge divide. And what I love about what you're doing is that you're trying to bridge that gap. You're trying to bridge it in education. You're trying to bridge it in opportunity. You're trying to bridge it in really what I see as consciousness, really, the consciousness of a community. Like, it has a consciousness, Kansas City. Yes. And so part of unwrapping that, I think, what's challenging about that for you? What has been challenging? So I think... (laughs) You laugh when I I say that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask a hard... I'm going to ask a question about challenge. (laughs) Well, that's a challenging question, Patty. (laughs) I'll tell you, I mean, what is challenging is just... Basically, there is gravity 
I think for people, again, to stay in the space of comfort. So I have to always think about like, what spins me out of that? What'll take me out of that? And youth are very important in my life. Anybody who knows me, I've spent a lifetime thinking about how to help them even contribute back to what it's going to be. And so they are always good about helping you spin out of that gravity, helping you think about how do you launch and think in new ways and different ways. But the same applies to other groups too. Most people recognize that if someone will just sit and listen to them, just like you're doing now, or just like people are listening now to us, there's never been a person who will not sit down and tell me their story or sit down and tell me what their concern is with something if I will be disciplined enough to listen. Yeah. And so I Well, and listen without having an opinion about what they're saying or making judgment about it. I think this is the time that we live in where we have to really suspend judgment. And I think as we learn and grow more into understanding what trauma that we inflict unbeknownst to ourselves in small and large ways that we understand what we've been through and how that impacts how we engage with other people and how can we, I guess, you know, I came from a family like yours where my mother was like on everything. She built a pathway for other people. So if we can continue to focus on that, that's incredible and it's mm-hmm. important. Who do you surround yourself with in your community and your life that are in that inner circle that can really be your own pep squad? Yeah. Like, who do you have? So, diversity of that network is extremely important. Yes. And so, there are people from family, there are people from neighborhoods, there are people from church, there are people here at work, there are people who have come from similar walks of life as I have, there are people who have come from very different walks of life as I have, than I have. And so, I do tend to be a person who has a multitude of networks. It's not just one network for me, it is a multitude of networks. And then I have heeded the advice over time of people saying to have a personal board of directors. And those are the people who you can go to who will be completely honest with you about what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're projecting. And will really, you know, the existentialist, you know, just hold up the mirror and say, just take a look right now (laughs) at what you just said to me. And they reflect that back. But I think the key for me has been to not just have a network, but to have a multitude of networks and for people to be from diverse backgrounds and diverse experiences. Because then it expands your capacity to understand, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Then you feel like, uh, I think my experience is that I feel like then it's one story. We're, it's everybody's individual story, but we're in the bigger picture of the story of life, right? Right. And so, you know, how do you manage all the stuff that you do? Like you're here, right, at DeBruce, and you sit in on all these other meetings with these small startups here, too. So say a little bit about that, and were there any challenges in you starting to do that as a leader? Yes, this has been, an, first of all, 
before being here. I've never worked in a foundation. I've never worked in philanthropy before. So that's been an interesting journey because I had to I had to learn about philanthropy. It's like, mm, I've never been in, in that space. And then our philanthropy is actually funded by way of a host of companies that the generosity of such as that those profits. So now that's a profit-driven kind of a world. And so learning about different companies, the different industries, the different sectors in which they are, and just learning about how to have that mindset about things has been a very interesting journey for me. And I certainly, it's been about asking questions, right? So it's like, I don't know. So I do a lot of things. I read a lot of things. Read, 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 read. Ask a lot of questions. I mean, one day I got sent home with like, five books about pricing so that I could, you know, crash course in economics. I'm like, I don't know if we were entering a market, we're going to price something. And so, you know, it was like, it was lots of chocolate, lots of colored pencils and lots of tabs and everything that I used that weekend to crash course on, you know, pricing just because, but for me, that's exciting. And the more I learn about something like that, the better I can you know, help and mentor other people who are having to think about that, share resources with them because I'm yeah, resource yeah. aware. I love that. And also do associative thinking and bring that back into like, oh, this is where this fits and might help with this board that I'm serving on this organization. Yeah. Oh, this is where this fits and might help with our foundation. Or, oh, this is where it fits and might help our church do something or my neighborhood yeah, do yeah, something. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And when you do that, when you bring it back to all those different things, when you sit back Like, what do you see as the vision for you, for your future? What's Mm -hmm. in that picture? Like, what do you want? You've already had this amazing legacy of things you've done. But what do you still want to do that you feel like, if I just do that, that thing is going to really make a difference? Oh, gosh, Patty, that's the most (laughs) challenging question you've asked me all day. She knows that I have ideation in my top five. And so I, I'm like, she can come up well, with 54. Yes, billion that's right. Ideas I have lots right of I'm things. I'm you to come up with one. I Maybe know. three would be okay. No, I would <laughs> like to do all kinds of things. But, you know. You mean that cooking show that we're going to Well, start? I was going to say, you know <laughs> that I do want to be a culinary artist, food, you Just know. Just watch for that. Foodie. That's going to happen. I know that's yeah, going to happen. Somewhere in that channel, that is absolutely <laughs> going to happen. That is going to be on the there. And absolutely, I think the other thing is, is even where I sit today, we as a foundation have a lot of ways to go. And so looking for the right strategic partners and the kinds of things that are going to happen so that we can expand pathways to economic growth and opportunity. And then, you know, the third thing is, is I'm always on the lookout because I am a person who like see what all the other opportunities are, you know, that are going to be out there. I think this current position feeds my soul in that way because we do have lots of different opportunities that we can do by way of the foundation, by way of the business route. Well, and I love it. And you get to put your research mind to work every single day. Like you're always looking at the numbers. Like what I love about her is that she wanted to have like so many What was the number that you wanted to take the Agilities Profiler? How many was it that you wanted to hit? Yeah, I wanted to hit 10,000 plus one this year, and we actually are going to knock down the door at 40,000. So I'm so excited. We've hit a great, great, great big bull goal this year. That is so great. Yes. I love it. So I think that's part of it, right? So you're always like reaching and you're always trying to explore like what is the new thing? What's the next thing to step into? And I think that 
is part of this mindset that you were talking about earlier, where you're watching for the signs for what's going to happen next and how it all fits in the picture. Now, you have a big job. Like, you're hard to get. I mean, I was so grateful that you would spend this time. I was so happy to be here and do it in person. But what's your day look like? What does it look like, your day, from when you get up until, you know, when you go to sleep? I want to know, what are your rituals? What do you do every day so that people who are really want to get some routine in place? Yeah. Tell them yours. Yeah, for me, it starts with prayer and reading my Bible because that's super, super important to me. And it's just a homing device and a connecting space for me to do that each day. And then exercise. I always have a better day if I get some exercise in early. And if I don't get it in early, I have to try to get it back in, you know, later in the evening. And then it's off. I probably like a lot of people, you know, you got to download, figure out some emails that maybe you miss because people work 24-7. So you miss some things even if you went to bed the night before. And then it's in the office and then every day is different. Like, so Some days we'll have internal meetings. You know, this is also living in this time frame of some things are remote and some things are hybrid and some things are in person. And so, you know, just trying to get back into the next normal that we have right now. So it can be meetings here in the city. Sometimes it's, you know, meetings in other parts of the United States because we're working in places outside of Missouri and Kansas right now in Kansas City. So it can be out in those places, you know, on great, days I like to get some, again, always trying to get some type of time outside. So a lot of times that happens after my work day. The dog and I, I do have a dog. So the dog, Max, goes out. I know you have dogs too. We love dogs. So out in the morning, out again. And that time is a lot of times self-reflection time for me, Patty. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do anything like set goals for what you want to accomplish that day or how you're going to be in that day? Is that part of your morning ritual or your evening ritual where you reflect on it? How does that work? Yeah, well, I do use a lovinger. I do literally have the tasks that I want to try to accomplish that day and the things that, you know, move to the next days. And I also am a person who I will like think about ideas. Like sometimes you just wake up or you're in the middle of a meeting, you get an idea about something else. I Try to draw those, Patty, because I think that they're more apt to come true because Patty's taught me this. They're more apt to come true if I don't just write the word about it, but I do a little drawing about it. And so then, you know, at the end of the week, a lot of times I will siphon back through, hey, what are the things that I did get done each day? What are the things across the weekend that I have to go back and fill in? And also, I just give myself permission sometimes to just put a big X through it. I'm like, okay, that didn't get done. It's not going to get done. It's going to go to the lower priority list because other things become more of a priority. Yes. And so I do try to give myself permission to be okay with like a part of the checklist not getting accomplished, yeah, right. moving to a different day or just getting completely taken off. And that helps keep me sane, maybe well, makes it easier for other people to work with me. I was going to say too, the thing that I know about you that you didn't mention is that you make sure to take time off. Like you go away. <gasps> I right? do. Yes. And that you really rest and recuperate with your family. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's important. Yes. That can look like hiking and trail biking. Depending on whatever your husband, his task, that new thing he's into. Yes, yes. He's his own kind of ideator. Own kind of ideator. Yes, yes. (laughs) Patty and I have partners in life who are obviously taking us on new and different adventures all the time. And part of that, too, is just like, just say yes. Just learn something new. 
My thing is, because I used to always say no first, I would say, no, no, I don't want to do that. No. And then I had to train myself. You're like a puppy in the, you're a puppy in the car and you're going to do this. It's going to happen. You can make it happen. You can go. And then I would always have a fantastic time because it would take me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I love spending this time with you. Now tell me and tell our listeners too, what tips do you have for them about how they can pivot or what to do when they're up against a challenge to get through it and to step into more of themselves or their authentic self or their future? What would you share? Well, I would say make plans. Just be willing for those plans to actually change, you know. So, but I think you should make plans and work hard and be honest. We say here at the DeBruce Foundation, hashtag yeah. truth works. Yep. So make plans work hard, be honest, leave the results to the Lord. That's what I tend to do. But that make plans and work hard and be honest, staying in that cycle and being willing for those plans to continue to change. So my plans today could possibly be different plans tomorrow. And I think that you also have to be brave, right? Be brave, believe in yourself, find people who believe in you. I bet that I really cannot take credit for where I am today. I really have to give that credit back to the people who have believed in me. And I will also, you know, and if you have people who don't believe in you, if you are with people who are, you know, sometimes people talk about a toxic culture or places I like, get out, get out. There are people out there who love you and who want to be supportive of you. And And who will help you. And who will help you. And I think that's the other thing is don't be afraid to pick up the phone and ask somebody for help. I mean, so many people, other people who you've interviewed, Patty, have talked about, we think that people are not accessible. And the reality is, is many, many people are much more accessible than you think they are. But you do have to take the initiative. And so be confident and do that. Yes, I love that. And I think I tell people that all the time because I remember reading a really fantastic book and I thought, I wonder if that woman has an AOL account. And I just wrote her an email and sure enough, she wrote me right back. And that showed me that I could do that with anyone. You know, somebody called me yesterday from Kuwait in a car. It was the middle of the night. He was driving to his job and he wanted to know how could he show people how to draw their future. And I was like, Oh man, like here's the code for my class. I want you to come and do that. And then like, let me help you to do that. Because I think this is the thing. If you're brave enough to reach out to somebody, they will respond. They will respond. Mm -hmm. And that's how we met. And I just love that, that somebody connected us and I drew for the Bruce Foundation and then the rest is history. I mean, I can't think of a better collaboration than the one that I have with you in the DeBruce Foundation and everybody that works here. I love them. Oh, so we are so grateful so for you oh. too. And we're so grateful for the audience who's here with us yes, today. Yes. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Cause you're investing in yourself. We that's think that's right. fantastic. Exactly. So thank you again for all your time. And you know, if you like this, of course, share it with your friends because that's the way we get the word out about what's happening in Kansas City because things are going down here. They're coming up from the base and we're going to change right here in this city. So thank you so much, Leanne. You're awesome and amazing. Thank you, Patty. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on Up Your Creative Genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe. 
and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky, and the Up Your Creative Genius podcast. That's a wrap.